that. Well, I think we should talk about circumcision because that's the topic oh, that we talk about well, all the, the time. And you're obviously comfortable with it because you preached uh, it. I would say it. comfortable. I'd well, say I preach on it. I'm going to be. I'm, I'm just going to make every guy squirm. I thought it was a different chapter. Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. Well, we are excited to be here today with Jason French. So Jason, introduce yourself to our audience, would you? Yeah, I'm Jason, married to Janice who we've been married over 30 years. That's good. We've got uh, four kids uh, ranging from ages 27 all the way down to 13. Uh, avid outdoorsman, fly fisherman, bow hunter, into the outdoors. Uh, love to do anything I can working on my property. Uh, that's that's kind of me. I work for Christ and Youth is my day job. That's what I do. And love it, love it, love it. What's your specific role here with Christ and Youth? Uh, I solve a lot of problems. That's what I do. <laughs> Problem solver. You know, uh, Christ and Youth is one of our ministry partners. And so we're glad to get to talk to you today about that part of it as well. Absolutely. My title, is that what you're asking? Sure. I, help, I, right. I know what your title is, but yeah. I was like, help our audience know what your title is. My title is. is president. Okay. What it means is... The big I, cheese, yeah, the big dog. That's, that's what I, I hate. And I didn't want to say... I know I was going to tease you. When people want to introduce me, I'm like, I, I work here. Yep. I, I, I clean up messes and try team. to cast vision. Yeah. 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 So no, I understand. I appreciate, I always appreciate that about you. Um, what people may not know is I've known Jason. This has hit me. This hit me the other day as I was getting ready for today's podcast. I have known you, Jason, for 30 years. Man, You're can you old. believe that? You both are old. It goes wow. all the way back. So it happens. I haven't so, known anyone for that long. <laughs> Jason, now a lot of you at New Life, you you probably remember Jason because he's been down to preach for me several times. Yeah. I love and I love church. having Nathan or Nathan, Jason. <laughs> Nathan, Jason. So Nathan's Nathan. better, no, but I, I love when having. You can't get Nathan. You take me. <laughs> I love having Jason down to preach, and our people love you. And yeah. and uh, most recently, you came down to our men's yeah. retreat just a couple weeks ago. Oh, that and was a good time. That was oh, a real wow. good. Those time. are some good men. Yeah. I heard nothing but great things. And, They're great and, guys. Um, of course, I got to be there for part of it, and then I had to leave early because I had to come back and preach. But, you know the uh, crazy thing was about that? I think I told you this. I mean, I met a lot of guys. Maybe two of them were from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is blowing my mind yeah. about your church. Most people, when we came to Arkansas to New Life, we found out that most people aren't from there. It was actually a, an interesting thing when you would meet someone from from Arkansas. But it's like, all kinds of things that bring in there. I mean, there yeah. I, met, I met one guy who moved there just for retirement. Another another gentleman. It was, it was a men's retreat. So when I keep talking about men, that's why. Yeah. Another yeah. one had moved there to be closer to family. Mm-hmm. Somebody, of course, had moved in because they got a great, a great gig with Walmart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was somebody else that works for a partner at Walmart. It was just a million different reasons, not even any of them necessarily the same. Yeah. But the amount of people when I'd say, where'd you grow up? That's kind of my key question. I think I met two that said I grew up in Arkansas and one of those was like Northwest Arkansas. Oh wow. The other was more like South Central. Yep. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is a fascinating thing. No the general rule is you talked about you just assume nobody's from here. You meet somebody that is from Bella Vista, like 
pre 1980s Bella Vista, you're like, you're a unicorn. We're going to, you know, we need to study you kind of thing. It's like, that's um, it's crazy. Nobody's from around there. So, um, what's it like? I mean, I, I know this is a podcast. You guys are here to interview me, and I'm trying to flip the script on you right now. Oh. Sorry about that. Like, how do you do ministry? In a, in a setting where so many people don't have history together. I mean, one, I know that's part of the church. Mm-hmm. That's our story from the book yep. of Acts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, having like like an homogenous society, like where we have stories, we grew up together, we've known each other. So many churches have that advantage and you don't. Yeah. Is that it can be an asset and a liability. Mm-hmm. How does it How does it work for you guys? Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you where it's an asset is we don't have sacred cows in our church. Mm-hmm. We don't have, you know, like, well, we've there's very few people way. in our church that have been around here long enough to go, well, but we've always done it this mm. way. You know, I'm one of the more long, I've been there nine years, and I, I bet you we. I've got most people, oh, sorry, Goose, we, <laughs> we've been there nine years, and I probably have more um, tenure than most of the people at our church. Yeah. Wow. And um, now we do have we do have a few people that have been around for a long time, and I really treasure those conversations with them because they, they connect me to a history that, uh, you know, our church turns 50 next year. And so... Um, How many original people do you even have... We, we don't have any charter members anymore. Wow. Yeah, we New just Life's, lost the last charter member probably a year or two ago. Right. We Now, we do have a few that have been around for a long time. Almost, I call almost, them almost yeah. charter members. But um, uh, but the bulk of our church, the bulk of our growth has happened in the last couple of years. But having people come in, we have a ton of people come in from the West Coast all the time. Yeah. And, um, and, and all them. over. Arkansas is like a magnet right now. Northwest Arkansas is for people from all over, like escaping um, crazy political systems, high taxes, cost of living. You know, you know, in Northwest Arkansas, it's still fairly conservative. Job market strong, economy's great. Um, conservative area, it's still, you know, um, it still feels like America. And I'll joke with people when when I meet them on Sunday, and I'll say, "Where are you guys from?" And they're like, um, "We're from Southern California." Um, like, like we have a guy that I just met uh, for the first time a couple weeks ago. It's their third week of the church, and they were out at our Highlands campus, and I hadn't been out there for a few weeks, and so I was there preaching that Sunday, and they're like, yeah, it's our third time here. We love it. And I said, where are you coming from? He says, L.A. I was retired LAPD. Uh, I met and him, I think. Did you meet him? I, I think I like, did. LA, retired LAPD. No, no, no. I met somebody else. Okay. I'm thinking somebody else. To, <laughs> to Gravit, Arkansas. And I said, how in the world? Do you go from L.A. to Gravit, Arkansas? Yeah, that's a big jump. And um, and he goes, yeah, I love it though. Uh-huh. Yeah, he, he told me this story. It's family related and stuff, but he's we're loving it. And I always tell I tell them when I tell everybody, welcome to America, because it still kind of yeah. feels like America. But but you do, guys are only forty five minutes away from us, yeah. right? But the the cultural difference between what you guys see in and outside of church world, just the greater sociological changes happening in Northwest Arkansas those are not even being felt in the greater region around you. Mm-hmm. Like that's something that's really unique to your area. Well, and that's Walmart. Yeah, I think Walmart. that's Walmart. Walmart's been intentional in order for them to attract uh, people who want to come move to work for them at headquarters. They've done some intentional things to make that area unique and, and desirable to move to with their families. So They've the done a great system, job of that. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I think, I think all the estimates point to here in a few years, Northwest Arkansas, that'd be, Bella Vista down to Fayetteville, down to Asylum Springs, that whole area yeah. is going to, it's going to exceed well over a million people here in a few years. Wow. I mean, it's, I'm not sure what the average, I don't know what the, what the actual population is, or I haven't looked in a while, but all, like when we deal with marketing companies, billboard things, all the stuff we do, that's the general consensus. All the people I know at Walmart that track this stuff for a living, they're like, oh yeah, you know, it seems like 
Northwest Arkansas, you know, here in the next decade will exceed. Well, I know my son people. and daughter-in-law are talking about moving there as soon as she finishes her residency. So oh, she's wow. a, yeah, she's trained to be an ENT surgeon. We know a good and, church. Uh, oh. <laughs> we know a good church. That's right. <laughs> but you know, how do you minister to people like that, Jason? Um, first of all, it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and the diversity is. I tell our church all the time that we are a very diverse congregation, and if you, you know, if you actually knew, and I think this would be true of every church, really, but. Ours, it seems exaggerated. If you actually knew everybody's story, where they came from, how they got there, their church history or lack of church history, um, it would blow you away just how diverse and different everybody Mm -hmm. is. We had a guy, um, and I didn't interact with him. One of our other pastors did. Um, He and his family just moved here and rolled into church two weeks ago, and we're very open. We're not believers. Mm. Now, I don't know when it was the last time you ever met somebody that walked into your church and said openly, we're not believers. But we're here. But we're here because we need something to change in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like God bringing opportunity right at your doorstep. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Nelson Searcy, I haven't heard seen anything out of him in a long time, but back in the day, he used to write a whole bunch of stuff about church growth and, and, um, um, and follow up and processes. And I remember one thing that he said in one of his books, I can't back it up scripturally. Um, I want it to be true. I don't know if it's true, Yeah, that's fair. but, um, but he said, God will not send you people. You're not ready to serve or meet. Hmm. And and I don't I can't back that up in the Bible, but it sure sounds good. And I thought of those people. <laughs> Made him I, feel good. <laughs> I thought of those people when they came. I'm like, like if that's a true statement that God won't send you people you're not prepared to minister and serve, then then obviously I think the Lord thinks that we are because where else in the world do you get somebody walk into church and say we are not believers we do not believe this but we need something different in our lives. I mean that's what I saw when I was and I'll be careful not to say names and if the gentleman's listen to the podcast that from, from your church, I think he'll know that I'm doing my best treating with dignity here. Mm-hmm. But even for people, as I tell the story, people from your church that might be maybe on that fringe, maybe they're not showing up every week, man, for, for me as an outsider to say, man, it's important that you're present in that mm-hmm. space. I met a guy, we sat down, had a meal and just hearing his story, how they moved here from another state. I want to be respectful. I won't even mm-hmm. mention the state because mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to betray his story because mm-hmm. uh, people fear it. Cri- People who always figure out the story pretty quick, but he moved to another state, had not been here very long, right at the beginning of COVID. Uh, his wife became ill hmm. and ended up going into the hospital. And a couple weeks later, later she passed away hmm. in the midst of all the COVID stuff going on. He had no family here, wow. no real community in the area. And, and I think sometimes what people don't realize is that, yeah, you've got all these outsiders moving in, but to recognize how many of them move here with no community. Yeah. Like no, and he had no network. You know, his son lives in another state uh, or stepson lives in another state that's, that's far away, uh, somewhat far away, especially in the midst of COVID, everything is far away. Mm-hmm. Right. But just thinking about how important new life was in that moment, you know, and not even, I don't necessarily mean in, in his life in that moment, it was COVID, but I mean, in the greater community mm-hmm. right now, how many people are moving in and mm-hmm. we can have this, this view of them as, you know, these outsiders, but so many times what God has done in scripture, when you look at where he has moved the children of God into different regions and he's used the church, you know, you know, you think about just what he did with the, the dispersion through persecution mm-hmm. and, and here he's doing a beautiful thing for you guys at new life where man, instead of moving you out, he's bringing these people to you mm-hmm. and what a beautiful gift mm-hmm. to say, man, we've got people from different, you know, ethnicities, different groups, different backgrounds, all coming into our community. What a beautiful opportunity to bring gospel, to bring healing, to bring hope, to 
bring yeah. new life. Mm-hmm. And because a lot of them, they may be there for four or five years and then they're sent back out. Mm-hmm. And, and I think just your church is so positioned in such an important time and it's a beautiful thing. It's just awesome. I just get really excited about about what you guys are doing. Well, I appreciate that. I'm, I'm, I'm. We're excited about what God is doing here as well, and we're excited about what God's doing at Christ and Youth. And so, <laughs> it's you know, good. and that's yeah. what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, if you want to talk about new, I love talking about, about new life. life. That, no, that, that, new life. But it is neat to hear because you are more connected with new life because she you have preached, reached there because yeah, you, you know have spoke people. at the men's well, retreat I, and you probably, do know the people outside of my home church. I probably attended new life in the last ten years more than any other single church. Wow just by speaking for you guys being around. Yeah. So, I mean, if, yeah. if I got a second home church, it's probably New Life. Oh, hey, been, right. there, been there more anywhere else. So. That's awesome. I love it. Well, tell us, let's just assume for a minute that not everybody listening to this understands what CIY is or Christ or and Youth. Or what it even stands what for. It, yeah. yeah. Um, I, now, I grew up going to Christ and Youth. Christ and Youth had a big impact in my life. Mm. And like I said, Jason, as mentioned a minute ago, I've known you for 30 years. And the reason why I've known you that long is I met you when I was 17 years old. That's right. Because you became the youth pastor at... Um, at uh, at my church, let me uh, let me tell you something that is a compliment to you. Because um, when I tell people that, they I said, yeah, Jason was was my youth pastor when I was in high school, and people normally take a step back and they go. Oh well, we thought you were older than him, and so there's a compliment to you. They I'll just, take oh. it, man. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> you know, you're a few awesome. years older. We're not too different in age, but but when I was 17, um, you got hired at the East Tulsa Christian Church, where my mm-hmm. dad was the lead pastor, and you are a youth pastor there. And so I got you for my senior year of high school, and that's how I got to know you. And that was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I love working for your dad. Your yeah. pops a good man. He he was a good man. I miss him dearly, but I'll see him again in heaven one day. Yep. Um, so your journey has been a lot of student ministry and those, and then eventually you kind of can't, you end up here at CIY. I don't want to tell your story for you, but why don't you just tell us a little bit like how you came to CIY, what drew you to CIY? First of all, what is CIY? What do they do? Mm. And that that's a very broad question, but I'll I let you just- more than a broad question. I'll <laughs> let you kind of share with that because I at the end of the day- I want our people to know. Oh, that's what that's what CIY is, and that's that's what they do, and that's what our kids come back from every summer, all charged up and fired up. Yeah, so. uh, I I just had Chris grab you hold on to that for a second, so that way you'll you'll know that I'm not being crazy. Uh, man, I honestly one never saw myself going into ministry. Um, Christ in Youth. Let's back up. Christ Youth stands for CIY stands for Christ in Youth. Uh, in a nutshell, you know what we do is we call young people to Jesus first mm-hmm. and foremost. We call them to lives of kingdom work. Um, and then we want to do all that through the local church. And so we tell our people all the time, we are the bridesmaid, not the bride. I tell our team, don't talk about us. We don't matter. The church is all that matters. Um, and part of it is calling calling people to Jesus, uh, at least in my world, is, uh, yeah, of course, that's an obvious. Calling to kingdom work, I think, is important. You know, when Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, you know, for his great, by grace you've been saved, you know, not by works so that no man can boast. You know, he goes to that whole passage where he talks about, you know, how you're saved by faith, not by works. But then the very next verse, we forget a lot. You remember what it says? Of course, you know, he says, for you are God's workmanship mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which mm-hmm. God has prepared in advance. And we've spent so much time in our lives telling people like, you, you know, you're saved by faith, saved through grace. You know, you know it's, it, it's not by works, not by works, not by works that we've almost diminished this importance of actually having a faith that's active, having a faith that's doing something. And, and I think in, in our world, part of the issue that we see happening in, in the lives of students is they're bored out of their ever loving minds with church. Mm-hmm. Um, take for example, my, my son, I've, I've got, we adopted my, my great nephew. He's 13. 
And he's got a class he just took at, as a seventh grader talking about his future vocation. 13. 13. Wow. Uh, I know as a wrestler what's expected of him from his, you know, and we don't let him cut weight, but the dietary things he's got to watch, the workouts he's got to do, the amount of moves that kid has to understand before he ever walks on that mat. And, and he goes all the way to the state level. What his coaches demand of him that he remembers, he recalls, he executes properly. I mean, they're not cruel to him. When I say they yell at him, it's never demeaning, but mm-hmm. they're on his case for not having an understanding. Uh, he plays on a travel baseball team and he's got to have, you know, situational awareness, whether he's in the outfield or he's on base or he's in the batter's box. What the coaches demand of him when he's as a, as a pitcher to know where runners are and what's going to ha- like how many outs he's got to have so much understanding. And then he plays football in, in the football field. He starts on the A team at, you know, usually strong side safety. And he's got to be able to read the defenses and know what's going on and where are the receivers at and what's happening. And, and he's got to be able to call out because he's watched film. And, and sometimes I ask youth pastors generally, I know what the wrestling coach asks of my kid. I know what the school systems like for my kid, not just vocational now, Joe, but in, you know, as, I, as I think about it is curses, he moves up mm-hmm. by the time he gets into in his freshman year, he has to declare what he wants to do when he graduates mm-hmm. in our public school system. And then he'll have to literally take classes all the way through the preparing for that yep. until his senior year. He stands up and gives a big presentation about his chosen career path. So, so I know pressure. what the wrestling coach wants for my kid. I know what, what the school wants for my kid. I know what the baseball coaches demand of my kid. I know what the football coaches expect of my kid. And I look at youth pastors all the time and I say, man, what are you asking of my kid? Hmm. What are you asking of my kid? Just wow. attend? Just show up? Hmm. Like, is the fact that he was showed up on your counts of your attendance, is that enough? And so when we say we call kids to kingdom work is that we believe that an activated faith is a sustaining faith. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, if, if, and so see how why part of what we push and what we think is critically, critically important is get these kids mobilized to do something. If I could write one book right now um, for, for the greater world of, of young people in the church or to churches, how to reach their young people, that book would be called, and I'm working on it. I'm going to write it someday called use me or lose me. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, and, and the whole issue is that, man, we've raised a generation of students who just feel used. All mm. you want me is just to be, you want me to be an attender so you can count my numbers. Wow. And we'd say, man, stop measuring attendance and start measuring activation. Um, there's a good guy named Mike Branton out in California at Sun Valley Church. He's really done a great job at this. And he measures how many of his students are activated. So part of what we do at Christ in Youth, kind of rolling back, is that, man, we call kids to Jesus. We call them to kingdom worth because we believe an activated faith is a sustaining faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, James says, you know, faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Um, and so we talk about kingdom work. We don't think you're saved by works. But we think it's it's a measure of, of your faith. And then we want all that done through the local church. We don't mm-hmm. want to start something that recognizes CIY. We want the heroes of the story to be the church, the yep. local mm-hmm. church mm-hmm. specifically. That tells you a little bit of who we are. In terms of how I got here, man, that is a crazy whacked out story <laughs> that may have to be for another day. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it, it's by far the most surreal time when God interrupted my stories in a way I didn't want him to. So that's a Jason French podcast part two. That it's a it's hood. a crazy story of how I got to CIY. Mm. And I it was disruptive and frustrating, but it's the only time in my life I've ever known the specific will of God. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Now yeah. How, how many years ago did you what was your role when you got here? 
And then how has that role developed? How long ago? How much time are we talking about? I got about? here in 2002. Okay. And then, uh, you know, it's 2023 now, so I've been here a long time. 21 years. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I came in as the assistant director, really doing a lot of um, everything from researching venues to creative programming. It just mm-hmm. jack of all trades, mm-hmm. master of none. Basically did a little bit of everything. And then moved from, from that into director of all conferences, which oversaw all the different events that we do. And then moved into executive vice president, which was had me overseeing a lot more staff. And then eventually in, <laughs> in 2019, September, uh, we do live <laughs> events. Uh, if I haven't explained that, I'll do that quickly right now. So part of the way that we, we operate and call kids in the ministry, we use events as kind of a means to an end. The real things that call to Jesus, call to kingdom work, connect them to their local church. Mm-hmm. But we happen to use live events. Mm-hmm. Well, I became president in 19, September of 19, officially. It actually started earlier than that, but we... We officially announced it, September of 19. The calm and, before the storm. And then in January, like February timeframe is when the word COVID started popping up. And so we went from running thousands and thousands of students in 19 to my first year presently running zero. Yeah. Like we lost 20 some million dollars in top line revenue, was gone overnight, everything gone. Like it was... It's a great time to be moving into a new into a new role, man. I learned a lot. I learned fast. Wow, so. I I remember that season a little bit just because it affected everybody differently, but yeah. it affected you guys specifically because of I mean that's how your staff gets paid too mm. in this ministry. But all and these, all these conferences a, that you had booked, yes, and no gone. one sending their kids to a conference. But new life is a big part of helping get us through that. Yeah. I mean, it was churches like New Life and other churches that one let us keep deposits, two made donations to keep yeah. us afloat, and like because they believed in this yeah. ministry and this work and knew that COVID's not going to define us. Yeah. We're going to get through this and move on. The so. amount of churches that came like New Life that came to our aid was incredible because we offered to give everything back. Yeah, we we said we'll give it all back, and we would honestly would have put us out of business. But we yeah. just said, man, we can have a posture of control or a posture of, of fear mm-hmm. that we have to be generous right now and live with open hands and open hearts and just say, Lord, if, if you see fit to end us, then we're going to end it in the way we want to be known. And that's with generosity and open hands. Yeah. But yeah, new life is huge. Well, time. and it's Christ and youth conferences. I mean, for anyone who's listening, who doesn't understand, but there's a lot of pre-planning that oh goes my. into that. So everything that you're about to execute for the summer oh, yeah. is already yeah. planned by February planned, and yeah. you're executing it everything. all. And yeah, you already shot the videos. You've yes. already booked the semis. You've already bought the t-shirts. You've already booked the venues. Exactly. The, money, the money's out on all the contracts. You know, we by time it hits in May. I mean, even even churches given deposits have already come in, and now you're at the point you got to you got to give those back. Yeah. I mean, it was by the time COVID really hit was we knew by May 10th was our drop dead day, is is when we knew like we got to call it. It's mm-hmm. like it's the end of the line, and we called it and said said no events. But yeah, our, we'd worked a whole year. Preparing. It's devastating because yeah. that's a year that you're going. We just planned all this oh, yeah. for so many. And you're banking on that. Back then we were in about thirty five thousand students or so. Um, 35,000 yeah. students. Yeah, back then. And this year, I think we hit like right around 52,000. Wow. And so the rebound has been the most fun Amazing. part of the story. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. been the fun part. You know, I, I read somewhere, who, or the reader, I was talking to somebody, you know, like our Bible colleges got hit significantly hard during COVID, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, um, and I, somebody mentioned to me that they just graduated or about to graduate their final COVID class. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people don't think about that going, it's not just one, I mean, it was a disruption, but you, if you have a Bible college that 
that um, that uh, had all these kids pay this money, but then they have to go home and they can't continue. Yeah. They got to refund all that money, and then it doesn't. It's not like you just oh well next semester we'll 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 rebound. It takes a few years, and not every not all of our Bible college institutions were prepared to have that mm-hmm. one year hit. Some of them were, some of them weren't. But uh, to hear them talk about it, like we're just finishing up with our COVID class, mm-hmm. like that one year hit. It took several years to. Rebound. rebound and graduate out yeah. of that. I'm not exactly explaining it as well as this no, person did me, sense. but but it, it takes it, a while to it, get back to. Yeah, it. so it's been awesome to see CIY come back so strong. Yeah, and that's a testament. What I tell people all the time is, one, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, but the truth of the matter is, it's not us. That we only grow if the church is doing well. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you both. One of the the big things that drives me crazy right now, and I don't want to pick on Pew Research as if they're they're the enemy. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm, th- I'm picking on them because they're the one that that that's got the articles going out. Sure. There's a lot of people right now writing about the North American church is in trouble. The North American church is in trouble. Oh, you know, we need we need to be worried and all the naysayers. And I, as a believer, I would say, can we just all take a step back here and and find out how many times in our historical biblical story. Has as someone from the outside try to tell us we're in trouble, mm-hmm. you know. You look at when when they're looking at going to the promised land. Oh, there's too many giants. We can't do it. You think about Elijah when he's he's like, "Oh, I'm the only one." And God's like, "Well, there's thousands Elijah who haven't mm-hmm. bowed their knee." Like, what are you What are you saying? You know, you move into even the disciples when they're hiding out because of fear, because yeah. or they're scared. Like, I think at some point. No one wants to be a part of a losing endeavor. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes that. It's not fun to be part of a losing team. And I think part of the narrative that the enemy continually pushes is church is in trouble, church is in trouble. So people say, well, like, well I don't want to be a part of that. I don't, I don't want to be part. And what I would say is, can I just tell you a different story? And I'm just one small little organization here. But that's not what I'm seeing upstream. Mm-hmm. Upstream, what I'm seeing is more churches coming than ever. Those churches bringing more students than I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking at our growth trajectory. Last year we were at fifty-two thousand just in the summer. That's not even counting fifteen plus thousand for Superstart. We were at literally fifty-two thousand last year, and our growth rate is going to have us at a hundred thousand by twenty thirty-two. Wow! So while you're talking about man CIY CIY, the only reason we're good is because the church is good. Because mm-hmm. yeah. if the church is in trouble, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd love to tell a different story. Is that man the church is alive? She is growing. She is flourishing in the ways that mainstream media and other places don't want you to know. Yeah. And when I talk to churches all over the nation, you know what I hear? Man, we're doing really great. We just had record attendance. New Life is a great example yeah. of that. Yeah. We're booming. We're growing. But they're they're not hearing those stories. No, and, and I, I, I appreciate your perspective on that because I've never put it in those words, but I've had similar thoughts that I just kind of roll around in my brain. Like if you listen to all these surveys, it is just bad news, bad news, bad news. Because that's um, what sells. Yeah, yeah. gets clicks. It's a right. clickbait. Yeah, but you know, I um, visiting with a friend, and again, there's no science behind this, just through conversations. But you know, he said, um, and, and this is a friend that that deals with this stuff. I mean, he he's in fundraising and he's in parachurch ministry and stuff. But he said, he said, you know, here's my observation. You know, um, churches that were healthy when COVID hit came out healthier. Mm-hmm. Churches that were unhealthy when COVID hit either closed or came out in a disastrous situation, hmm. COVID exposed your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. And, um, and I think for, you know, not to toot the horn of new life, but it's not hard for me to do that. But I think we went into COVID very healthy and we grew healthier through yeah. COVID. And that's the real big uh, misunderstanding from the outside looking in. It's like, Oh, everybody shut down the church. She's like the phrases that drive me nuts. 
last time I checked, I don't ever remember shutting down nothing. Yeah. Everything yeah, was functioning. We, we, we uh, in, in some ways, I was never busier than I was during COVID. No. Um, we made a lot of progress during COVID. Um, a lot of, um, a, a lot of, it was really interesting. A lot of people's giving, um, I can't back this up with facts, but it seemed like a lot of people's giving got more consistent during COVID. Yeah. You know why? Because they only had one way to give. They couldn't drop it in the plate and be sporadic. They yeah. went online and they they did more online giving. Our giving during COVID went up 30%. Explain that to me. When we're, we're meeting online, but our giving increased 30% mm-hmm. during COVID. You know, I, I think if you go into it healthy, we, we came out healthier and we grew a ton during COVID. It was a different kind of growth. It was like... Um, we were interacting with people we'd never met before. And people, we started to engage people online at a higher level than we'd ever engaged people online before. Mm. And a lot of, we found a lot of people found us from all over the United States. Well, my church isn't meeting and I found you guys. I, I was pastoring other churches during COVID. People don't know that. Um, we had churches. <laughs> you were Mennonite, weren't you? I was a Mennonite for a while. Yeah. Um, so, we got the beard thing going. Yeah. So we, we, I got a contact from, and we, there was a family connection in our church, but there was a small church out in Colorado, the Mennonite church, that they didn't have a minister when they hit COVID. There's no way to find one. And, um, and they asked, can we play your sermons? Like, can we have our a church series. service and just play your sermons instead of the preacher? Cool. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And so I was, I taught during COVID, I taught through Revelation and they went through Revelation in Colorado. And, um, and then after COVID, they found their minister. And I used to teach people like, yeah, I pastor several churches right now. I'm a, a independent Christian church and I'm also a Mennonite pastor. I don't know what the Mennonites believe, <laughs> we, but we, they like my preaching. And um, we were on our way to Colorado to see family in Denver. And I was like, hey, we should stop at your other church. And check <laughs> <laughs> but that small congregation wrote me the nicest letter you would like when they got their people from the congregation. I keep that I keep that letter in my desk and um, I take it out and read it sometimes, especially if you're you know, y'all have those moments where you're just kind of down. But um, it's letters like that that kind of remind you of the God's bigger picture. But every single person in the church wrote a note in this letter That's about awesome. what they learned from that series that I taught them through and what what they gathered from it and how it helped them grow as a mm. Christian and and I was like, These are people I don't even know. This is what COVID did, I think healthier churches, mm. healthy churches got healthier. I think CIY came through it because CIY was healthy. Mm-hmm. And I think it came out of it because it was already healthy going into it. Mm. Everybody dealt with struggles. You guys more than... And the churches mo- that you were guys, pouring into it knew the investment yeah. was was kingdom-minded. And we had some, some key donors who just said, yeah. we will not let this go down. For sure. Right. They were like, we're, we're in, we've come too far. And and now we've come, and we've rebounded and we're in it's a really awesome. healthy place. It's, Praise it's God great. for that. I think all that... The thing I would want, you know, the people listening to this to hear is be careful, just like you do with any media on social media, no matter if they're putting out positive or negative about politicians or countries or whatever, whatever it is, man, just temper it. And right now you should ask yourself a question. Why is the only news I hear about the church negative? I would Mm -hmm. just ask that question. Mm -hmm. When's the last time you ever saw anything in mainstream media have anything positive to say about the church? And I would say, man... If, if this bad report is always coming, one, why? Where's it coming from and why? Because mm-hmm. I can tell you from my seat, and again, I'm just one small organization working with a couple of thousand churches. That's that's kind of the expanse of our reach. Yeah, The churches we're seeing, I know there are unhealthy churches out there, but by far and large, the story I would tell is really, really healthy churches. And I'm not saying it's a, it's a massive, you know, for you guys that might be listening that are, you know, statisticians, but I would say that 2,000 is no 
throwaway number either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's that's a pretty decent sample. Mm-hmm. And out of the 2,000 churches we're working with, it's not a sample compared to the whole nation, but it's a pretty decent sample. Mm-hmm. What we see is tremendous health. And that's not being reported. And mm-hmm. I think... I don't know why. It, yeah, you know, and that's a great observation. That that would probably dominate a whole other podcast because like that is a... But you know, I think to denominations... Um, I think the Christian churches and Churches of Christ, our movement, I think fared well far better through the through COVID than than a yeah. lot of your more denominational mainstream um, denominations. And a lot of it built. They're trying to fight through structures that didn't allow them to to succeed. Like they went yeah. in unhealthy. I think of some of the churches around Bella Vista are really struggling. Most of them are these denominational. Um, churches that haven't changed once in 50 years and and they're just fighting not to age out yeah and but even um, on the numbers i gave you like by 15 20 percent of ours are denominational churches oh interesting yeah, yeah. That's well awesome. jason let me ask you a question um let's say a parent um calls you out of the blue one day somehow they're able to get through <laughs> the layers to get to you and they're like give them a cell phone number and, they, and they're like the podcast notes. Hey, are you jason french are you you running that organization over there yeah. my kid's been going to this youth group over there at new life and and they want to go to ciy i don't know anything about it and they've never been before i say yes what is it what are they going to do and they're going to send my kid away with his youth group for a week what happens? You know, if you can yeah. like speak from perspective of you're trying to tell a, a yeah. parent who has no knowledge of Why? CI, this is what your kid will be involved with. This is what a typical week at CIY looks like. Yeah, I think I I would start not talking about CIY. I'd start talking about new life. That what your church can get done. Uh, let's just take a week of move or or mix. We could do superstar. Do any of them? And move is the oh, high sorry. school week. Yeah, my bad. Right? In, inside baseball lingo there. So uh, <laughs> I'm here to just yeah, flush you're that great. out. You're great. <laughs> move is a a five day event we do on college campuses during the summer, uh, and you know we thousands of kids that come to that. Uh, mix is a junior high event. It's four days long. Uh, it happens either on camps or college campuses. Superstart is an event for preteens. Uh, that's you know fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. It's usually on a weekend. Uh, happens in, typically in local churches. Sometimes uh, you know we'll book out like the ORU Oral Roberts University. We'll book out their arena. Um, and then uh, the other one is engage. We do short-term mission trips mm-hmm. for kids that want to go overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have some other things for youth pastor. That, that's enough. Um, so I'd say if you know if a kid, if a parent came to me talking about you know why should I let my kid go to this, I would say number one, I, I would talk about new life, not about CIY. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say who your kid runs with and during their course of high school and the friendships and and the connections they make can can make or break them mm-hmm. in so many different ways spiritually. Um, that honestly, when you, when you know, when you look at, at some of the stuff that's come out of Fuller Institute and even out of Barna, uh, some really high-profile research institutes, some things they say is that, man, the, the top key things that you find in, in a kid's life spiritually keeps them connected, you know, is one of the highest ones is having a spiritual mentor in their life. And when you can get that kid or that student connected in a small group with a, with a, a Christian adult that cares about them deeply, that, that hears their story, that knows their heart, that prays for them on a regular basis. And I'd say, number one, have your kid go because you want other adults investing in your child. Mm-hmm. You want other people who have skin in the game at, at wanting your kid to succeed spiritually. I know that you want them to succeed in sports, but you need other people who care about them succeeding spiritually. And new life is going to do that for you. And when you load that kid up you know, in the van or the bus or the people mover and they drive wherever they're going to drive, 
you know, the conversations that happened on that road trip, the conversations that happened during that week, late at night in the dorm, in the small group times, you know, after sessions, during meal times, it builds a community. And and man, so many so much of our life is driven around just that the importance of good godly community. And I'd say that'd be the first thing. We could talk all day about the things we're gonna teach, things we're gonna champion, mm-hmm. but but honestly, I would I would celebrate new life. And for new life, they can get more done in that week on that campus than in a year of ministry with a kid. Mm. Like the amount of intentional conversation you get done in those four or five days is more than 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 a youth pastor will get done in a full year of programming. Mm-hmm. You just, I mean, a kid drops in, yeah. Yeah, they, it's intense, an yeah. intense week that's just very focused. There's yeah. not all the social media and the TVs and Netflix and yeah. all that stuff. Those pressures, you have you have their attention right there for yeah. an entire, you know, five to seven days or whatever. And when a kid's, like when they're struggling with things, like we get a lot of kids that, that will say like, Hey man, I'm I'm dealing with a pornography addiction on my mm-hmm. cell phone, and they need to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And to have an adult leader go, Let, let's let's talk about that. Like to have that conversation, and for the church to be present. Like you don't really get there on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning to, to for a kid to open up like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there for an hour and they're out the door. Mm-hmm. But when a when a you know a youth pastor can sit in the room or a volunteer can sit in the room and go, well, let's talk about it. Yeah. Like, let me, how do I help you develop some pathways in your life? How do I help you deal with some of the struggles you've got? And it doesn't have to be cell phone pornography. That just tends to be the number one thing that high school mm-hmm. kids are dealing with right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could be any number of, of struggles mm-hmm. they've got with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or future or career, whatever else it is. And to have a Christian adult that wants to sit in there and say, man, I'm, I want to be a mentor in your life right now and be supportive of your family, be supportive of your home keep you connected to the church. It, it's just important. So that's, that's what, if I could talk to a dad, like you mentioned mm-hmm. about why should you send your kid? I'd say because new life matters, community matters, a healthy church matters and your kid being connected. That matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Tell me about the cards. I think they're called kingdom worker cards yep. because yeah. I know that that's been a thing for a few years. Mm-hmm. I've heard about them cause I know that you guys hand those out and you don't make yeah. them open them but nope. if they do open them they have to do it it's just kind of fun yeah, yeah. i mean it's not like jesus is going to say did you did you do that card thing? <laughs> so stand yeah the Lord? <laughs> yeah i try to pick like a something that, i'm trying to think of something like a, that the their reader could picture it's just a real small little envelope it's uh-huh. tiny like a little bitty thing like a gift card yeah kind of like that yeah. yeah that's great thank you that helps um and, and we'll do this at our events but really at any event that you go to for ciy for for any age there is always a call to action when that kid goes home mm-hmm. We don't want to run these Jesus camps that just gets kids all jacked up emotionally. Mm-hmm. We want to say, man, how are you connected to your local church? Mm-hmm. And what will you do when you go home? Mm-hmm. I don't mind that kid gets a spiritual high. Mm-hmm. That's a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. Like there there are times like I, I'm going to go on a quick tangent here. I'll come oh, back. Go for it. I, get, I get people sometimes will will tell me like, oh man, we, we do what you guys do every week at our church. And I always say the same thing. Like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like <laughs> we never intended for our methodology of, of an event to be how you run your ministry. Mm-hmm. Like that was not our intent. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, we have crazy lights and yes, we get great sound systems. And yes, the staging's amazing. Yes, there's haze, all this kind of, yeah, we have a great time. We have a great time. But I always ask a youth pastor, like how many times do you have turkey and dressing, sweet potato casserole, green bean casserole, pumpkin pie and pecan pie? Like how many times a year do you have that? <laughs> right. Well, one time a year. Right. Yeah. How many times a year do you do people gather around you, get a big old cake, put candles in it, 
and sing happy birthday to you. Like how many times? Like once. I was like, okay, that's kind of how we view our events. Mm. They're meant to be catalytic moments where a kid does get that special, like, man, I feel a spiritual high right now, like, like a moment. But what happens after that moment when the kid goes home is what matters most to us. Mm-hmm. And so we do like Kingdom Worker cards, like mm-hmm. you mentioned, is one of the tactics of many that we use. And yeah, they'll get those cards. Some of them are really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Some of those are real tough. Yeah. Some of those are really pretty, pretty simple. Yeah. And we ask the kid is like, you don't have to open it, but if you if you're willing to take a challenge and you want to go to the next step, we encourage you to open it and maybe even open in community. Maybe some of you guys open a card instead of each one of you open, maybe two or three of you get you and you open it together. Oh, okay. so like I'll give an example, a boy opened a, cor- a card one time and this was a tough card. <laughs> it was a tough card. It was uh, in the next year to run a marathon and to use it to raise money for one of uh, his church's uh, missional partners. Wow. And I'll just say this politely. Uh, this kid, this kid was overweight. We'll yeah. just say that he was overweight. Yeah, and and literally got rocked by it, and just said, "I, I can't do that." And the group of boys in, in his group are like, "Yeah, man, ain't no way you can do that." Oh. But then they wanted, but they wanted the kid that said that he goes, "But we can, we can." Wow. And together they trained with that boy. They worked together, and that group broke up the entire marathon among that small group. Yes. And they all ran it together as a community. That's amazing. And, and that's the kind of stuff we love to hear coming out of these For cards sure. is they're not meant to embarrass kid, but but that group thing came together and said, yeah, that card had a girl walk up to me and she's like, uh, I got challenged to read the entire Bible out loud in a year and I did it. Wow. Like I read the entire Bible in a year. Like, and I'm like, well done. Another kid, he came up on stage and was like, uh, my mom wasn't a believer. I got a challenge was to start a Bible study in my home. And I started one with my little sister and my mom. And I told her, I was like, mom, I got this challenge that I'm, I'm supposed to do a weekly Bible study for our family. And I, I don't, I'm scared. She goes, well, honey, let's do it. You said you would. And so he sat down and he goes, my mom became a Christian this year. Oh, and it's just like, wow. yeah. I mean, like we got stories like that Those for days. Those are such great wins. Yeah. Those are awesome. Yeah. It was going back to the marathon story. One of my favorites, I've got so many favorite stories. One of them is, I don't have this guy got my cell phone. I was up doing some rigging <laughs> and stuff up in some rafters. Shouldn't have been up there, but I was. I was trying to help our team get ready, and my phone starts ringing, and uh, this guy calls, and he goes, he goes, is this is this Jason French? It's like, yes, sir, yeah. And he goes, hold on, hold on, she's crossing right now, she's crossing. I was like, what what's going on? He goes, I just want to tell you thank you. He says, my daughter has trained a full year to run, and I'm using the marathon again when I don't mean to. It just came back to mind because the other yeah. story. He goes, my daughter just did it. He goes, she wasn't an athlete, nothing like that. She never done anything like this in her life, but she got that card. He goes, I can't tell you how this has changed her discipline. It's changed her, her life. It's changed her heart for the kingdom, her heart for the church. He goes, he goes, I just want to call and tell you thank you. I never got his name. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he's at. He hung up on me. I was like. <laughs> she was crossing the finish line yeah, and you were going to do it with It was just her. a cool story. So yeah, Kingdom Worker cards, <laughs> they're not awesome. they're not all run a marathon. I promise you that. <laughs> But, no, yeah. I know. And That's I, the card like, I would get. We, yeah, me too. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, I pass. I, we, Go fish. We've, <laughs> heard, <laughs> we've heard from some of our students who have opened them and done them and then mm-hmm. other students who've chosen to not open them. And so I just wonder, I was like, I think that's a cool yeah. part of Go Home. I mean, a lot of kids sit on the bus with that sitting in their pocket and they're thinking Mm. it makes them do a lot of thinking because I know if I open that, that I'm challenged to do something to move. And Mm. so I love that. I love that aspect of what CIY has just that little piece of, 
you know, part of that entire week to send them home to possibly change their life, you know, mm. and discipline and, and run a marathon and raise money for a ministry partner in their church. So that's a really mm. cool, cool we thing. We just want kids to go home activated. That's yeah, our heart. For that's sure. Our heart. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what we want. Can you think of that, you know, stories for days, but there's this one story that just stands out that if it's the epitome of, oh man, the epitome of that is the biggest win you could ever imagine of of like that's why we exist. This is why why we do what this we is do. why we do what we do. Boy, there, are, man, Joe. There's so many stories that I could tell right now. Um, I got I know I know where to begin. I'll start. I'll, I'll start with this story. Man, I guess so many I could tell. Uh, I'll tell this one. It's just, it's just one Holy Spirit one. He prompted me to bring to my mind. I was in uh, Holland, Michigan, a few years ago, and I. Uh, had this, he looked like a, a young kid. I think he's actually a little older than what he was. Mm-hmm. But he was in the adult leaders meeting. He goes, he goes, sir, could I could I talk to you? And and I'll be honest with you, just the the arrogance, or and it was a pride. It's just like, oh, I got this figured out. I can help this kid. You know, like, and I don't want to be that guy. But sometimes you just you're tired. You snap into that. Like, okay, what, what do you need, young man? You're like, I don't want to. I was wrong. We'll just say that I was wrong. And uh, I was already thinking like, okay, well, he's, he's got an issue with a kid dealing with pornography. I brought that up earlier, mm-hmm. whatever else it is. Like, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to, we're going to work through this. And he goes, sir, I just, I got, I guess some help. We need, we, we're all volunteers and, and I got an issue in my group. So it wasn't a youth pastor, this group, all volunteers. He goes, we got, we got a problem in our group. I don't, I, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. I was like, what is it? So one night we had this, the thing of talking about how Jesus could heal us. And we had these door frames in the room, all around the room, six different door frames where kids could go and they'd walk from darkness, they'd walk through this light, asking God, God, can you heal? And, and I don't even know what the text was that night. I don't even remember. I could go back and talk to our team. They would all remember. But you do this for 20 some years, the themes start running together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember he was, uh, the, uh, he's, uh, he's like, you know, that last night that we had that program. He's like, yeah, 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 we, what, what's going on? He was, um, we, we got this young man in our, and I think the kid's name is Brandon. Um, He's, we get this young man in our group, um, and he's a real big kid. I'd seen him there that week. He's huge. He's mm-hmm. a big, big, big boy. Just built, just big kid. And he goes, well, I don't, I don't know how, what, I don't, he kept going on. I was like, what, I was really spit it out, son. What, what's yeah. going on here, man? <laughs> and he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I was like, what, what, what do you mean you don't know what to do? He goes, well, Brandon, Brandon had a thing going with self-harm, and he had cuts on his arm that he had on his arm that we had talked about before he came here and and when he walked through that door frame and he came out they were all gone oh wow and he was and even the scars were gone and he goes i i don't know what to do with that hmm. he goes I, I talked to him on this side of the door frame and he asked god to heal him inside out and the whole group knows and we don't know what to do because when he walked through that door and he came through the other side his arms were all clear hmm. holy cow and i said Hey, let's don't try to figure out what to do with that. Let's just sit in it for a moment. Well, moving on, I saw that same young man. He came up to me this year in Holland. And I'm, I, I think the kid's name is Brandon. You'd think I would know the name by now. And I was sitting there. We we're doing the old meeting. And that kid, I came up to me at almost the exact same spot. And he goes, hey, sir. And I turned around. He goes, do you remember me? He's like, yeah, I remember you. Hmm. And he goes, Brandon, let me tell you hi. I said, he's preaching at a church right now. Wow. Uh, and God's just using him to transform lives all over. 
Wow. And I was just blown away. So that's one of my favorite that's stories. Amazing. A find who came in who wasn't a believer. Wow. He turns his life to Jesus. Jesus brings him healing and he takes that healing everywhere he goes. Wow. You know, and I got other stories I could tell, oh, even from sure. last summer. Like there's that's, so many cool stories. I love that one. That Twenty seven years of stories oh, of students and going into kingdom work and oh. being healed and so many things. I yeah. can't imagine. I mean, you probably have thousands of stories, There's especially if you started writing them all down. But I, we should I have been know doing that, that all you guys along. do document a lot of those. Some of them do. We and do. And you get some video and you capture yeah. those. And a lot of that's on YouTube because we've seen those. We've shared some of those at New Life. That's a remarkable story. And you know, I like I liked your response to that. Let's not try to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's not try to debate it. Let's yeah. not try to screen it through every theological filter that no we way. have. Let's yeah. just, you know, it, let's just dwell in it, you know, yeah. and be thankful for Praise it. God. You know, sometimes yeah. sit back and go, I don't understand everything that happens. And I mean, I still get a scar on my neck from when they, they, they God has removed, but God did it and Brandon didn't do it to me. But that I don't, is, that is really trying to wrap my head around everything that God does is a beautiful thing. And I love the fact that he is still mysterious. Mm-hmm. That is really something, you know, we're so process oriented people. Mm-hmm. Everything has steps. Everything yeah. is this, this happens before that, this and that. Sometimes we can process our process ourselves right out of the Holy yeah. Spirit's movement, Yes, you know, and it's like, you know, well, there are things that happen now I still don't know what to do with. Just yeah. like, but I just live at peace going, well, God's doing, I don't, I guess I just don't have to. It doesn't fit in my theological box as neatly yeah. as I want it to, but <laughs> yeah, you, know, <laughs> you know, just, you know, some, I don't know. I like, um, you know, we're so used to people saying, you know, these are like, somebody's got a problem with alcoholism. It's like, mm. man, I've, I've been going to, it's been a struggle, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And then it blows you away when the guy comes and says, I gave my life to Jesus and never had a desire for another drink a day in my yeah. life. That's mm-hmm. my stepdad. And it's like, wow. real. I just had that conversation on Sunday with a guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's my um, home life, man. He went mm-hmm. to one CR gathering, uh, Celebrate Recovery, went down and got his chip, fought alcoholism, alcoholism forever, his whole life. And uh, he told me on Sunday, um, he goes, I don't know what happened. I just, I've I lost all desire for it. I haven't, haven't had a sip in months. Wow. He goes, I don't even want it. He goes, I used to build my whole day. Huh. He goes, I used around. to build my whole day around when I would start drinking and how I was going to balance work and, and just walk all those lines as if for years, very destructive in my life. He goes, I decided to get right with God, went down at CR and got a chip and, and I haven't had a desire for a drop in months. Mm-hmm. And, and that part of you says, no, nah, it doesn't work that way. You, no, but, but, but it does. And I'm not going to say that guy's yeah. never going to have another struggle, but sometimes, you know, we can, sometimes it does work that way. You know, yeah. it, it not every time. No, sometimes, it sometimes it's a lifelong struggle. Of, yeah. uh, but for this guy's like, I, I goes, I'm swearing to you, Joe, right now. Since I went down there and took that step of faith and grabbed that chip, I haven't had another drink. I, I think that's our hope. We we get kids like him. Can we catch him at 12 or mm-hmm. at 14 or at 16 or at 18 before they get there? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you? How do you intercept a kid when their heart is still moldable and pliable mm-hmm. and they don't have to go down that road of destruction that leads to divorce after divorce, mm-hmm. layoff after, you know, firing after firing, you know, bankruptcy, foreclosures, all the stuff, all the pain that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we catch a kid early and say, hey, man, let Jesus interrupt your story in ways that are beautiful, that can heal mm-hmm. this brokenness. Yeah. So we love well, doing it. I got one final question for you. All right, man. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I got one final. <laughs> Um, 
Go Chiefs. What does well? Okay. That's given. Jason, would you even be on this podcast if you weren't a Chiefs fan? Come on now. I noticed your 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 shirt has Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes riding a walrus. That's right, man. And um, right. is that Andy Reid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's We're going to take a picture oh of that T-shirt and put it on the goodness. show notes. But but you you came you dressed up. Uh, Remedy uh, Provisions, Nate Carnes. He sells those. That's so <laughs> that's funny. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, hey, what's um, uh, this? May be kind of this might be ten questions all wrapped in one. But what's the future of youth ministry? What's the church need to be doing? What, you know, and maybe I'd ask it this way. Yeah. Boy, if the church would just dot, 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 or the church needs to focus more on, or you know what, what we're seeing, church better wake up and realize this, mm. um, or they're going to miss opportunity. Like, I guess I'd just frame it. Yeah. What's the future of youth ministry? What are, what should the church be doing? What, um, absolutely. What are they, where are they missing the mark? Uh, well, I want to be positive because I only want to say complimentary things. I love yep. the church. Yep. That's my story. And so, you know, if, if it's, uh, instead of missing the mark, I'd say, where, where can they make positive adjustments? Yeah. Um, and, and I don't mean this just, I don't, this is not a new life question. This sure. is a big C, big church yep. question. I go back to what I said earlier. When you look at your youth ministry, start measuring how many kids are activated, not how many kids attend. Mm-hmm. And how many kids do you have that are out in the parking lot? How many kids do you have on stage? How many kids do you have running sound, serving in, the, in, in children's ministry? Like I look at my daughter right now, Joe, it drove me crazy. We went, I'm, I'm now a seventh grade boy small group leader. There we go. I'm back in it, man. And my daughter and her group, we all went to this big retreat with sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. And my daughter had one of the biggest groups there and it irritated the thunder out of me. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, man, Sid, how do you do it? These these moms are coming to you for advice. She's 19. You know, they're all following her like little Pied Piper. Like, how do you, she's like, well, dad, I've, I've been teaching these girls since they were in second grade. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Sid's been teaching since she was in junior high. And, and man, the impact that the students can have. So I'd say if I could get the church to buy into anything, it'd be two things. Number one, activation over attendance. How many of your kids are serving? What are they doing? Um, it goes back to that use me or lose me. Um, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. And kids can, de- can do incredible things with the kingdom right now today. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, I, I'd say that number one. And number two, I say uh, at, at a deeper level, at, like, uh, at a senior leader level, and at an eldership level, I, one of the things that the Big C Church, and again, I'm not going to, to New Life, the Big mm-hmm. C Church needs to take seriously is a raising up of the next generation to Timothy's. Mm-hmm. We have a massive problem coming our way. Mm-hmm. Um, at CIY, we've said that our goal is to raise up 30,000 pastors in the next 10 years, or at least see 30,000 students called into ministry in the next yeah. 10 years. Um, but there is a massive deficit coming. It's coming. Um, and I would say two things within that. You know, One, does the church that's listening to this podcast, again, beyond new life, mm-hmm. do they have a target every year of how many Timothys? And, and I know how what the kind of ideas on, on offerings. We know ideas we want to see in attendance and what we hope to see in baptisms and all that. But what about Timothys? Is there a number defined of how many Timothys we expect to produce? Mm-hmm. And that we not just hold our youth minister accountable to, we hold ourselves accountable. We It matters to us in eldership. We don't delegate that. that that's ours as an eldership. We prioritize the raising up of Timothys. And then number two is, man, the amount of guys I see on Facebook that are, hey, you know, I'm stepping down from my full-time ministry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm stepping down. I'm, I'm going to go. And there's not, my parents, I grew up in a house of, of realtors and, and contractors. I got no issue with that. Like, that's the world I understand. The amount of guys we see and women we see leaving ministry um, because of, and I, we could talk about whether or not it's church hurt and how much more they need to develop resiliency, whatever. We can get in all day about how they just need to have more grit and be tougher. Okay, whatever. Yeah. We, we can live in that world. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I would say number two is not just measuring how many Timothys are you producing, but what is your plan for Timothy retention of the people you've already raised up? Yeah. Like, what is your strategy? Yeah. What's your follow-up? What's your care plan? How are you contacting them? How often are you contacting them? How can you do preemptive work in their life that keeps them from stepping away? And, and how can we slow this back door we see wide open mm-hmm. where the, you know, they just, every time they look on Facebook, it's another person walking away. If the church could come back in and say like, man, we raised him of these up 15, 20 years ago. Where are they at? How are they doing? Yeah. We're going to make it a priority to check in on them. We're going to assign it. Our eldership's going to make it a priority. We're going to hold each other accountable that we track our Timothys and we know what's going on with them and where they're at. I think to attract is one thing, to retain is another. Yeah. And I'd say that's something else. So, you know, those would say in youth ministry and then church as a whole. Hmm. I think, too, that preparing parents... For kids oh, who yeah. want to come and say, hey, I, I've i made a decision to go into vocational ministry. Yeah. And the parents are like, you did what? Whoa. <laughs> you know what the crazy thing is, though? You shouldn't do that. And I, what do we say to those parents to prepare them yeah. that we need your sons and daughters yeah. to do that? I think it's sometimes it's the parents who to who take away from that and say, no, 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 you don't want to do that. Can I tell you something crazy on that? We just did a big survey on that. Really? And that's what I thought was the issue. That's what I really believe that. And it is. I think 10% of the people who replied said parents weren't a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the world of the poor pastor who can't make it financially, those days are gone. Most churches by far and large do a good job of paying their pastors well mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Like back when I first got into this, it was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Like it was it was hard to make it. Yeah. A lot of churches like new life. You guys treat your pastors mm-hmm. well as they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're professionally trained people mm-hmm. for this job. They've got college educations. They've worked mm-hmm. hard to get where they are. They should be paid an appropriate wage. And, and it's a biblical principle. Mm-hmm. But what we found is when we did surveys on a kid who makes a decision to go into ministry at our events, so say a kid stands up in Holland, Michigan, whatever event mm-hmm. they're at, if you were to guess out of 100 churches, out of 200 churches we surveyed that had a plan for follow-up, how many churches you think could, could articulate a written plan for follow-up or any sort of plan that they had to follow up on a kid? Now, would be realistic. Out of a couple hundred churches we surveyed, how many do you think had a plan? Not many. Take a guess on a number. Five. Zero. One. One. Wow. One had a plan. One had a written plan. A lot of people say, like, oh, yeah, we got a plan. Like, what is it? Well, you know, we kind of like to do this. Like, that's that's an idea. <laughs> kind of like. That's an idea. That's not a plan. Yeah. We had one church that provided us with a written plan. Kudos to them. And, yeah, and it wasn't even a great plan, to be honest. It was it was <laughs> adequate. Yeah. And so, and I'm not digging at the church. But they had, I'm, they I'm had, not, no, no, right. But they tried. But so, they, yeah. Yeah. So what we're doing right now is we kind of wonder, like, when a kid says they repent at one of our events, what are they repenting from? What's your plan for them? Like, do you mm-hmm. understand this? You, you'd think this is a pornography addiction that this kid's got at 14. That It doesn't magically go away when they go to college. It only mm-hmm. gets worse. Mm-hmm. It doesn't magically go away because they get married, because they've got kids. And then it leads to divorce. Like, if what's your plan to follow up with a kid you know, that wants to repent? What's your plan to follow up with a kid that wants to go into ministry? What's your discipleship plan for a kid? And so one of these we realize we want to serve the church well. And so... The, the, the largest barrier to entry that we found is no one ever talks to them again. They literally get ghosted. Mm. And that's the first barrier. Mm-hmm. But I think also with, with parents stepping back going, this can actually be a beautiful career path for your child. Mm-hmm. Like there's some really healthy churches out there that provide really healthy working environments. And if it's not a healthy environment, you know, I was just talking to a guy the other day. This church is probably mad. He's in an environment that's not healthy. It's like, man, 
you have a calling and you have a job, and they are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like you have a calling, you have a job. Mm-hmm. Your calling is to Christ and His kingdom and, and to do ministry. Mm-hmm. Your job happens to be at this church. Mm-hmm. Just like I tell anybody in any job that's in a toxic environment, mm-hmm. if that's not a good leader to work under. Mm-hmm you should walk like yeah. you should stay there because that's what we got people leaving. Yeah. But, but going back to parents, I think what I'd say is like, yes, there are some parents who are against it. I think in the same way, because they see some of the, the drama, the scandals that have come out. Yeah. And I don't need to say names right there. We all know who some of those people are, mm-hmm. but for every scandal, there's a great church Yeah. or four or five great churches. Um, and what we're finding is about 10% of the parents talk their kids out of it, but like 70% of them, because nobody ever talked to them at all. Wow. No one followed up with them. So we're going to develop some plans and resources sure. to give the church to put into her hands to help her with follow-up. Awesome. Like, not just vocational ministry, but ki- kingdom work, yeah. repentance, like whatever else it is. Because you don't have to go into full-time ministry no. to do ministry. Not at all. And that no. is what I love that Christ in Youth is doing is, hey, wh- whatever workplace you're at, Absolutely. make that your mission field. Yes. Yeah. At this, and that is a huge heart of ours. The tension part, though, is like just on a on just a numbers basis, the void that's coming for people who actually work in the church is about to be. I don't want to. I, you can't overstate these. were catastrophic. The amount of boomers that are retiring, mm-hmm. the amount of Xers that are retiring, and the lack of follow up from churches over the past twenty years is creating this collision of lack of pastors. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I agree with you on that because I've been reading about this. You know, I've been and I've been feeling it. You know, um, That's a lot Bible of colleges uh, get smaller yep. too. Yep, and I'll never forget. So the the baccalaureate service that that Ozark Christian College used to do, and they may still do it. I don't know, but it's like the evening before graduation. The speaker, he said, "All right, all you guys that are graduating, going to ministry this year, I want you to look around, look down the rows, look all around. Um, nine out of ten of the guys around you won't be in ministry ten years from now." Mm. And I remember thinking at the time going, oh, whatever, Right. you know, at that time, you know, I'm, you know, at that time, like we're all ready to storm the gates of hell with squirt guns. I mean, we were like, there's no way, but I'm sad to say, I think that's probably close to being true. Um, I think about all the guys, a lot of the guys I graduated from Ozark with that aren't in ministry. Doesn't mean they're, they've left Christ. Doesn't mean that at all, but they've chosen other career paths and a lot of it for the reasons we've already mentioned here. But what I've also seen, you mentioned the boomers. Here's an interesting, some trends in the church. Um, The boomers were your primary leaders and servers in the church before COVID. After COVID, they haven't come back. They say um, that, that, that I read a study here recently that identified the boomer generation as the one who they may have come back to church. Yeah. It's not like they walked away from Jesus, but COVID was there. It's somebody else's turn now moment. Interesting. And, and so what churches have done and what's been a challenge is churches have um, unintentionally overstaffed themselves yeah. because What's the easy thing to do when we don't have the volunteers? We'll hire it out. And then we say, well, if I can hire it out, then I don't need to recruit. Well, if you're not recruiting the people that you need, you've created a situation. vacuum here. But but that's right. So that's something that we've actually, as a staff at New Life, been spending a lot of time talking about. But coming back to, to this preacher shortage, I know there is a... There is, and it, you're right. I would have to back you up on what you're saying. There is a, we're about to get hit. COVID just accelerated it. It did. We're about to get hit with a massive leader shortage in the churches. And um, think about how hard it is, even for you at New Life, when you need to make a hire. It oh, yeah. It's not an easy, and people call me up for names all the time. Yep. Like, I'm out of names, man. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, they're, the workers are few. They are. Yeah. But you know what? It, it, it kind of goes back to some of your, the point you and I were, were just talking about is, 
Oh, what I've told you pastors right now, and this is me being a little bit, you know, what you call me an eight earlier on that scale thing? <laughs> eight on the Enneagram? Yeah, eight. I think I'm an eight. I don't know what that means, but I'm a red, I'm an eight, I'm a lion. I don't know, all that stuff. Uh, it's all <laughs> I hear. I don't, I, don't take, I don't take those tests. I told a group of pastors this when they said, hey, you know, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. And I said, hey, man, the workers are you. Mm. Like, you're not getting your work done. God's got all these kids that want to go into ministry and you're not following up with them. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me. He's like, like I'm calling you out. He's like, that's I'm like, the eight in you, Jason. I'm like, I'm old, well, man, I'm old enough now. I don't have to play these games. Yeah. Like I'm, I've been around long enough. I got gray in the beard. Like I'm now at the age where I can say that stuff and, and I can, I can just go, no, I, I don't mind just calling it out. Like, and I don't think this about new life, but there's churches out there. It's like, God has given you 10 kids in your ministry that wanted to pursue ministry and you never talked to them again. Mm. At what point does God not look at you and go, I'm gonna hold you accountable for that yep. one. Hmm. You know, I think that verse, the the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. You know, part of that plan, maybe maybe some churches have lost sight is Jesus told them the first thing is, ask the Lord of the yeah, harvest. Pray. pray. That it begins with prayer. Yeah. And, and perhaps we've stopped praying about these things. Mm. You know, maybe we've become too consumed with other things and we've kind of flipped to the, well, why don't you do this versus, well, we never stopped asking, pray and ask God if he well, would raise up. We're asking and for 30,000. Yeah. it can't be just once a year. It no. has to stay at the forefront You're of the ministry, yes. of student ministry. Uh, and it's not just student ministry. Uh, we've seen many uh, adults walk away from their careers and say, this is what God's calling yep. me to do. Who, who said it? Who, who I, I know the quote, but I can't remember who the source. Um, we're one generation away from being atheist. Huh? No, who, who said that now? I'm not, I'm not nailing it I've just right. That, yeah. That, like, we're just, extension, yeah. Yeah. We're just one. Yeah. We know theological. That'll never yeah, happen, the, yeah, yeah. But we're just one generation. <laughs> but yeah. the, the point is what we're trying to break I is point. if we don't, Intent have intentionality with this and purposely focus this and go, you know, it's not just something we're doing to keep kids busy on Wednesday nights, you know, blah, blah, blah. It is this generation, we are sending them off to college and they are yeah. not following Christ and they are not sticking with it. And I think the latest statistics, I think, aren't we up to close to 90% now of kids that leave youth group and go to college and walk away from church? Is yeah. it that high? I had a guy uh, Real close to that. at the retreat hit me on this. I want to go back to something you said that I thought was really important before we wrap up, but, uh, he made, he made one of the comment, you know, talking about two things he said, you know, talking about man, you know, kids these days. And I was like, easy tiger. Who do you think raised them? Yeah, <laughs> I was exactly. like, oh, we're talking about kids these days. Exactly. Like you raised them, man. He's like, yeah. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. This is all you're doing, man. But then the, the second thing, you know, when I, when I was talking to him is, you know, as, as we're talking about like kids going back into ministry and all that kind of stuff, it goes back to something you said was when we did the survey of like 400 and some students that made decisions in the last 10 years, the percentage of them that were still open to it was mind boggling. Mm. And I don't think that, that just because a kid's graduated high school that, that we're done. Some of these, this calling still nagging at them. Oh, for sure. It's still there. And they still remember. I walked forward. I made a commitment to the Lord. Yeah. Not to anyone else. I made that commitment to the God. And a lot of them would say, I would still entertain it. I would still look at it. And that's one of the beautiful beautiful things happening with some of these residency programs and churches that are happening. And there's some neat things happening for the kingdom right now. But you you triggered my brain on that. They just have to be given permission. Just go do it. Just go start it. We have three Timothys at Ozark right now. Oh, that's awesome. These these kids are going to be world changers. Man, they're awesome. We got one yeah. that's just about to graduate next year. 
We've got one who's a sophomore, one's a freshman. These kids are awesome. That's, I shouldn't that's even fantastic. call them kids. They um, young two out, two out of all of them are in ministry. Two of them come back and serve with us on the weekends, and um, are have left our student ministry and have come back on the weekends to work with us and serve with us. So well, I appreciate um, appreciate your heart. You're right. Going back to what Chris said, it's it's not just about going into ministry. Our other heartbeat is looking at kids. Like you know, one of my kids is going into craftsmanship. I got another another son that's going into the golf industry. Like it's not just about going into ministry. It's about how can I get a kid to look at, man, wherever God's going to take me, whether it's law enforcement, education, law, whatever, you know, medicine, what construction, whatever it is you're going to do, how do you do everything to the glory of God? Yeah. And how can you use your gifts and talents? Like we've talked a lot about ministry here today, but the other huge part, which truly impacts the majority of students that come to our events is what is God preparing you to do and how can you use who you are, how God's made you. But I don't want to, I don't want to frame that just in a vocation someday. Mm-hmm. Like how can we get that work started today? Mm. So kids feel purposed at church. Yeah. That's awesome. And prepared for when they go yeah. and where they go. We have a kid in college. We have a kid in high school Yep. and it's that constant trying to show them wherever you're planted, wherever you're at, that's where you lead and, and be an example for Christ. And and you might be the only one that says, Hey, let's start a Bible study. Hey, let's go do this. But I think that that's, you know, the important part that not everybody's called to vocational ministry, but everybody's called to serve Jesus in their workplace. Yeah. Jason, thank you for hanging with us Man, today. I loved it. Love uh, you, life. Fun. Love you guys. Love spending Good time with you. you and this conversation could carry on for a really long time, but I want to be sensitive <laughs> of your time and our listeners' time. But man, really appreciate. They're going to listen to one point seven five anyway, or one point five. <laughs> That's how I listen to my podcast. You just speed them up. Oh yeah. man, my family makes fun of me. Everything's on one point two five, one point five, one point seven five. I have one point two right now going for me, and it it depends it on does. the podcast. It yeah, does. I was listening to a book on book. audio. Um, oh, this was earlier this year and I was going somewhere. I only had a certain amount of time. So I trimmed that entire book down. How can I get it? And it was like a two point something. And it was like, and I really had to listen in to, yeah, (laughs) to get through the whole thing. Talking very slow. (laughs) It changes your perspective. You become an active listener really fast. Well, Well, Jason, thank you so much. Thank you for what Christ and youth does. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God does through this ministry. Thank you all. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood, not a car show. Jason, if you weren't doing CIY, what would you be doing? I'd be hanging out with my family. Yeah. 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 Or honestly, um, professionally, yeah. Just I would, what were your other interests? I'd probably be in politics. Politics, I'd probably so. be yeah. Probably be in a Democrat or a Republican. Oh boy, <laughs> that's a tough one. <laughs> I asked me about that because I all, all offensive people.